0: welcome to the diabetics doing things podcast we've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015 and we have over a thousand years of living with t1d on the podcast the interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories and we celebrate them all just the same Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello again, ladies and gents. Today I have a very cool diabetes sponsor I'd like to tell you about, Companion Medical specifically the Companion Medical InPen. When I talk to people who use multiple daily injections to treat their diabetes, one of the things that often comes up is the lack of data they're able to see about dosing, daily insulin totals, etc. In fact, Companion Medical discovered that only 7% of people who use insulin are using insulin pump therapy to control their diabetes. So Companion Medical decided to bring pump benefits to insulin pen users with the InPen. The InPen is an FDA-cleared smart insulin pen and app That gives patients the tools to manage their multiple daily injections. The InPen is compatible with the Lilly and Novolog pre-filled insulin cartridges and single-use disposable needles. Those are not included with the InPen, but that is what is compatible with it. Using the information transmitted from the Pen itself, the Companion Medical app can track insulin therapy, calculate doses, share data with your doctor and family right on your smartphone. The best part is the In Pen is covered as a pharmacy benefit under most insurance plans. Currently, you pay no more than $35 for the In Pen with a special copay assistance program. So, if you're on multiple daily injections or just thinking about taking a break from your pump therapy and don't want to lose all the features that come with using a pump, talk to your doctor about Companion Medical In Pen and visit CompanionMedical.com for more information. What's up, diabetes sports fans? Do I have a treat? for you. As you guys know, I'm a huge basketball fan, and even when I was diagnosed with diabetes, the most important thing in my life was playing basketball. So making it to the NBA as a basketball player is the ultimate goal, and obviously a goal that's only realized by a handful of guys. So I'm very, very excited to introduce you to my next guest, who as far as I can tell is the most recent person to play basketball in the NBA with type 1 diabetes, and that's Gary Forbes. In 2009, he was playing for the Denver Nuggets while I was in college playing at the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs, and I remember reading a story about him or them talking a little bit about it during a halftime show or just an in-game bite, and they were talking about his diabetes, and I remember seeing him and saying, you know what? Diabetes doesn't have to hold me back from living my dream. There's a guy who's literally in the same 50-mile radius as me who's living his dream playing in the NBA. So this is a huge geek-out moment for me, big basketball fan, Um, and Gary's super cool and a great, great interview, so I'm really excited to share the ups and downs of living with diabetes and playing professional basketball. Gary's currently overseas playing for the Saigon Heat in Vietnam. And he and I are chatting really about five days, five, six days before he takes off to Vietnam. And you guys can follow along his journey at Gary Forbes on Instagram. He's updating from Vietnam every day. Looks like they're in training camp as a time of publishing of this podcast. So, really excited to dig into the ups and downs of playing basketball with diabetes and really learning about a guy who has become a close friend uh, via Instagram over the last few years. And is the first NBA player on this podcast. So look at this. You know, we're almost 170 episodes in, I think, total. And Gary is here on the podcast, first NBA player, certainly not the last, hopefully. Uh, We got to get Adam Morrison and Chris Dudley on here. So one of at least three type 1 diabetic basketball players who have made the NBA, Mr. Gary Forbes. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We are telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. And my very special guest, this interview is like two years in the making. I'm super, super hyped. Uh, Mr. Gary Forbes, uh, former NBA player for the Denver Nuggets, uh, Toronto Raptors, Houston Rockets, and now uh, very shortly will be headed to Vietnam for, I think I'm doing this right. Is this your 13th NBA or 13th professional season?
1: I think so, man. I think so. I came out of college when I was like, well, no, no, it's my 11th, actually. 11th. Okay.
0: 11. Well, still, uh, welcome to the show, man. Uh, I'm super, super hyped. I know, like, I was in my, a uh, couple of my Colorado buddies in a group chat. I was like, we got Nuggets, great. Gary Forbes coming on the pod. Uh, and they were like, yo, shout out 2009. So uh, I'm really <laughs> psyched, psyched that you're here today. Uh, and obviously, you live with type 1 diabetes. So, uh, as we do on the show, I'd love for you to just tell a little bit about yourself, and usually we start with diagnosis, which I think is, you know, right at the beginning <laughs> of your college career, if I did my uh, if I did my math correctly, and so yes. I think that's a good place for us to start.
1: Well, man, well, first of all, you know, thank you for having me, and I know we've been trying to do this for, like, definitely the last two years, but, um, you know, we've both been, you know, headed in, in the proper directions, but... Um, yeah, I have type 1 diabetes. Um, my father was uh, diagnosed also with it. My grandfather passed away from it. Um, my nephew has it. So it's something that, that runs in our family. Um, I was diagnosed in college. It was my sophomore year. No, it was after my freshman year of Virginia, um, where, you know, I think I was like 228 pounds at the time. And just in one week, literally. I lost 20 pounds and, you know, the, the symptoms of having diabetes are the urination and the constant thirst. So it was like, you know, mind blowing to me that I did watch my father, you know, take injections and, you know, with syringes and insulin. But, you know, we weren't never really like open and, you know, talking about it and, and things, you know, and educating me on, you know, the proper ways to, you know, to live with. Someone who could possibly have diabetes, so you know that hit me. And you um, know, I'm actually not. I'm one of those people who are not really, you know, upset at having diabetes because I've, you know, been able to, you know, inspire a whole bunch of different people, and and I think it's actually bettered my life and actually, you know, made me more uh, conscious of things that I do, and especially being a basketball player and playing at the the highest possible level with diabetes you know, that, that says a lot about, you know, anyone living with diabetes and just myself in general.
0: Well, it it says a ton about you, man. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. And for me, when you played, uh, with the nuggets, I was in college and I remember just a quick little news blurb about you having diabetes. And, you know, at that time, I also wasn't very open about it. My teammates obviously knew and the people that I knew close to me, uh, knew that I was dealing with it, but, it wasn't something that I broadcasted. And so to see somebody like you on the highest level just gave me a ton of inspiration. And, uh, you know, now coming full circle, almost 10 years later, uh, it's just exciting to, to kind of be in, in, in this time and and have this discussion with you. So, uh, for, for you just, and this is something that nobody ever understands, but obviously, uh, you're a Hooper, so you'll know this. So when I got diagnosed was 2005. So, um, I was, you know, 16 years old, and in the it was like, I got diagnosed on New Year's Day, so it was right in the middle of basketball season, and I remember that season, Antoine Walker was playing with the Heat, and he showed up to training camp, like, out of shape, so the first, like, quarter of the season, all the announcers kept saying that he was, like, losing weight and working his way into shape, so that's what I thought was happening to me. I didn't know. I wasn't like, I was like 185 pounds and I was losing. I lost like 15 pounds in two weeks. I was like, Oh yeah, I must just be like Antoine Walker. Just like working my way into shape. Uh, and I just, I, you know, obviously didn't know better, but, uh, for an athlete, obviously you said it was after your freshman year. What were those first few weeks like for you, uh, adjusting to your new life with diabetes?
1: oh man like the first I think we were like it was it was right after my freshman year so we were on like summer break for like two weeks before we had to head back to school and I was home and I was just like constantly thirsty every single day so I think I took a day off from like working out and I checked my weight and I was like 222 at the time so that I already lost like six pounds in one day so I'm just like all right maybe I need to eat more so I ordered like some food some chinese food and i ate a whole bunch of food that night and you know i thought i was just gonna gain my weight back you know maybe it was just like you know just dehydration or water weight or something like that and i checked my weight the next day i'm like 215 and then you know i just can you know i almost thought i had like a urinary tract infection because you know i just kept you know going to the bathroom yeah. time after time every time i drank water i have to go literally right away and uh, I remember when I was on my ride back to school um, to, you know, to go ahead and see the doctors about everything. Um, we were dropped my brother was driving from Maryland back to uh, UVA, which is like a three hour drive. And we stopped maybe like 10 to 15 times where I had to just use the bathroom, like pull over to the side of the road. And, you know, he just, you know, he didn't know, you know, what was wrong with me or stuff like that. And. You know, when I got the news that I had diabetes, it was, you know, a real shock to me. One, I'm super, super scared of syringes. So I remember my first day where the doctor, um, she was trying to, you know, educate me on how to take syringes and we were doing it with uh, saline water and she wanted me to do it on myself and you know, I told her, like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm going to be fine. Like, I'm cool. So she gave me my medicine. She said, you know, you're going to have to start, you know, taking, you know, insulin, you know, the next day. I remember that day I didn't even go to class. I was just sitting there as scared as I don't know what because, you know, I, you know, it's the first time. Before this, this is before they had the pens and everything like that. This is when you had to, like, draw the needle with the bottle of syringe and you know stick yourself with the you know a needle yeah super manual right right that's like at a 19 year old you know you know by himself in college you know getting that news that he has diabetes you know i almost thought like man like yo basketball is over like man what am i gonna do and you know it was a real shock to me but um you know i was able to you know have a great you know freshman year and i mean a great sophomore year and and was able to play through college uh, with it, I, I kind of always hit it because, you know, I felt that people just looked at having an illness as such a, you know, a, a crutch or like, oh, if you have this or you can't do that. So, you know, I was, I was almost, you know, keeping it a secret and, you know, no one really knew. And I think that also hurt my, my draft stock because you know, I had a couple guarantees in the first round because I had such a great college career. You know, I was player of the year in Atlantic 10, and, you know, we won so many games, and um, and I had so many guarantees. I had about two, three guarantees to go in the first round, and then, you know, when doctors checked my, you know, my medical forms, it's like, oh, man, this kid has diabetes. Like, well, we didn't know that. You know, I never mentioned it, you know, through college or anything like that. Only certain, you know, tabloids in, you know, the UMass area knew that I had diabetes, but as far as broadcasting it to the nation, no, I didn't. And so- I think that... I think that definitely hurt my uh, me being drafted.
0: So I definitely want to talk about this because, you know, this is something that I struggled with as well, not, not being drafted. That was for other reasons. But the, uh, you know, broadcasting it and talking about it, and, and this is a question that parents asked me as well. So uh, for me, just my personal uh, feeling on it was I didn't broadcast it early because I didn't want to be a good basketball player with diabetes. I just wanted to be a good basketball player. So I I wanted to be held to the same standard as everybody else and not, like you said, view it as a crutch or a way to get special treatment or something like that. And I think that was was my nature. So, uh, A, when you were on campus, obviously, so my parents and I made the decision to, when when I was choosing what college to go to, to talk to the training staff and make sure that they knew what they were getting into because I was going to spend, you know, four years there. Uh, what were your, cause you, I know you switched schools, you went from UVA to UMass. Uh, did you have any conversations with the program, like, you know, behind the scenes or with the training staff before you went, or was that something that you just dealt with hundred percent yourself?
1: Well, I, I'm not, I actually like had a cheat code in a sense because, you know, my father's a diabetic and, you know, he was almost also, you know, basically training me and, you know, how to live with diabetes. And my father was an Olympic lifter. So with diabetes, so for him to be able to do that, you know, with you know an illness, you know, like that, it was almost easy for me to follow in his footsteps and the things that he was able to, you know, relate to me. But um, the training staff at UMass definitely helped me. The, you know, they were always on top of everything. You know, getting my medications and, you know, testing myself at, you know, at the proper times and things like that.
0: That's, that's always nice. Right. Uh, And, you know, for your dad to also have a, and I assume, you know, years before, like you were talking about manual injections, his, uh, you know, care regimen was probably even, uh, you know, worse off than that. And still able to be an athlete at the Olympic level is super impressive. So you had a good, uh, I assume like his, he was telling you like, Hey, if you're feeling this way, this is what we can do and things like that
1: exactly exactly and um i mean i've had you know i've had my i've had a whole bunch of i mean we'll get into that later but i've had a bunch of uh you know not so good experiences living with diabetes but you know i I think that's you know that that comes with you know learning about you know the illness because it affects everyone in so many different ways like
0: it does and i think it you know for one person to another, you could do the exact same thing, eat the exact same things, get the same amount of sleep and you would have different results. Um, I think it's interesting though, something that, you know, for me that was very helpful early on, uh, because I, on my day of diagnosis was also worried about not being able to play basketball anymore. And, and, you know, what was I going to do? I really related to when you said that, um, was having your father there to, you know, like you said, he was training you. He's obviously involved in your life heavily. Did that impact how your life with diabetes began? I find that, you know, if you have a encouraging, you know, outlook with someone early on, uh, that typically influences how your life with diabetes will go. So do you feel like, you know, your relationship with your dad and his experience, like really kind of, like you said, gave you a cheat code and helped you out?
1: Yeah, like I mean, from from experience. Well, my father, um, you know, he's I I, I'm, I doubt that he's had like the you know the the bad experiences that, that I've had. Um, obviously playing basketball and the types of food that you know li- obviously he grew up in Panama, so you know the foods are different, and you know the time and and lifestyle of living is 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 totally different than what it is now. So, but. You know, having him having someone who's gone through the same thing that I've gone through, you know, it's 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 kind of a, a relief almost. So, you don't know, you don't have to worry about, you know, doing this alone. You know, you have someone there who's who you can relate to. And, you know, the, it being my father, you know, someone who I can follow in his footsteps and be healthy, you know, kind of just like him. Um, you know, it, it also helps. Um, I mean, but in the beginning, you know, I didn't really know too much about diabetes because, like I said, we weren't, you know, really open about it. I just knew my father had, you know, this illness that he had to take injections. You know, I didn't know why or I didn't know, you know, the sugars affect him or, you know, he, I just always knew, you know, he always ate healthy and always ate, you know, a certain regimen because, uh, you know, he just wanted to take care of himself and be healthy.
0: Definitely. So it's it's 2008 i guess you you and uh umass had a great season you were a 10 player of the year i think you guys were like lost in the nit championship or something that year like yeah, a long man, way. That's, that's one of the games i wish i had back man. oh i'm sure i can't imagine I, I imagine it haunts you all the time uh yeah. so you get done with your senior year uh for people who aren't as familiar with the pre-draft process and especially for top guys at the division one level what was your spring summer like going into I guess that was the 2008 NBA draft um, and like you said having conversations with teams where you felt that there was a guarantee to go get and get drafted um, and you know the circumstances around that that not happening and how that related to diabetes
1: well the first uh, the first thing that I went to was uh its just, uh, all, like where they select all the you know the best seniors in the country to go to is called
0: Portsmouth,
1: Portsmouth yeah. uh, in, You know, so I went to that and I got MVP of Portsmouth. Uh, they were telling me, you know, my my knock on me in, in, in college was, you know, I'm a volume shooter. You know, that was my role on the team. You know, to shoot the ball, I'm am a scorer. So I actually led Portsmouth in assists. And at the time, I think my my teammate led the led the nation in assists. I think he went to Davidson. I forget his name. So then I got invited to Orlando pre-draft camp where you know it's the best players you know from all around college every nba team is there and i averaged 22 points in 23 minutes so you know it's almost like you know i've really set myself up to be drafted in the first round you know having a great college career here and then doing this you know doing these workouts and right after the the orlando uh pre-draft camp i had i think there's what at the t- yeah 30 nba teams i think i had maybe 26 workouts which was really tough, I think, you know, for especially, you know, a diabetic, still a new diabetic, you know, I'm only like, you know, four years in and I'm sure you know about, you know, the honeymoon stage where, you know, the first year you still kind of can eat the same and, you know, your sugars aren't really affected by, by what you're doing and what you're eating so much as it does, you know, as it gets later on into your life with having diabetes. Definitely. So, you know, I had, you know, I had all these workouts and then, You know, I had so many guarantees. I think I had a guarantee to Boston at 30, a guarantee to Houston at, I think it was 25 or something like that, and then a guarantee at Charlotte at 38. And so, you know, I felt like I was, you know, I I accomplished my dream. Like, you know, man, I'm like, you know, I'm going to make it to the NBA, not even thinking about, you know, diabetes. And I remember my father, you know, told me before the, you know, before my, I think it was my medical test, you know, where, you know, you have to do you know, urine sample and, and blood, uh, you know, blood drawn, you know, he told me, you know, make sure, you know, you, you eat right the night before, make sure, you know, your sugars are okay in the morning. And so for some, you know, for some reason, I guess I was just, you know, so caught up in, you know, just, you know, being in the NBA and just, you know, worrying about, I guess, you know, being drafted, I wasn't really thinking so much on, you know, my sugar levels or, or anything like that. And I think, you know, that, you know, when the, the, uh, the test came out, you know, I guess I had, you know, a bad reading that day. I think my sugars were either high and, you know, they took my A1C and it was really high. And, um, you know, th- all the teams found out that I had diabetes. So, and of course, uh, from a business standpoint, you know, you're not going to spend millions of dollars on someone who could, you know, who could possibly be facing, you know, life-threatening issues. Sure.
0: Right. And and that's a pretty strenuous medical exam, right? Like you said, at that point you are like an investment to these teams, like millions of dollars, and exactly. So, do you feel? And and I mean, maybe this is an unfair question. If you would do it again, um, would you be up more upfront about the diabetes, since it's obviously not hindered you later on? But at this time, I think they just didn't maybe didn't know. I mean, I mean, I
1: don't know. I don't know if at the time if. at in 2008 if still the world you know was you know I kind of like had a different you know I mean Adam Morrison went number three in the draft with diabetes but me and him have you know two different types of diabetes I've never been on the bench you know sticking myself with a needle and like you said I've never wanted to be that player like oh look he has this illness not yo he's a good basketball player and that's it sure so um I mean, but I I do wish that I was more upfront with it, and you know, looked more in control than than what I was. I mean, I've never missed a game, never missed a practice, which I felt was my argument to you know to teams like you know, listen, I have this condition, but and I'm playing at a high level. I've showed it in college. I've showed it at Portsmouth. I've showed it at Orlando. I showed it all these workouts and you know so what's the you know what's the knock it almost should be like a plus like oh look he has this right and he's doing this
0: yeah it's, it's interesting because like you go back and you know what can they do they go look at the tape and they just see the player that you are right, right. um and right. then they start asking those questions and i think sometimes the unknowns you know like you said 2008 was a different time um even though Adam Morrison had just been drafted, it's still, I think a lot more questions than there maybe are today. Um, you know, yeah. a, and a lot less openness maybe as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Is. It's, it's more open now. I think, you know, people are more, you know, educated on the topic. I mean, not, not as, as not as much as, as they should be, but a lot more than, you know, 10
0: years ago. So, you know, going after, after those, you know, medical, you know, exams kind of go not your way. Is there, or were there conversations with the teams about the guarantees? It's like, Hey, we're going to go in a different direction. Or were you sitting there on draft night That's and nice. expecting your name to be called? And obviously, you know, what, what was that moment like for you? Like what, what was that that day? And then what did you do after that? Um, you know, to continue to keep your dream alive? for people who aren't as familiar with professional basketball, like right under the top levels in, of the NBA and Europe, what was that like for you? Every, I mean, obviously a lot of unknowns every, you know, three to six months, it seems like playing on new teams, uh, in new places, uh, lots of travel, lots of obviously physical strain. Uh, for someone with diabetes, like what were some of the things that you remember um, and some of the things that you had to prepare for along that way?
1: I mean, the, pra- the practices are like, 10 times harder overseas than they are in the U.S., I can tell you that. Um, So, I I mean, I always had to, you know, have juices and stuff around, but I can tell you one thing from experience that you know, my blood sugar levels overseas have always been way better than they have been when I've been living here in the United States. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's because of the food and how it's grown over there, but I've never really had the, the problems that I've had here in the U S that I've had, um, you know, overseas.
0: And you, and you mentioned food, obviously like food culturally, you know, in places like Italy is so different than, you know, here in the U S and especially, uh, in the NBA where you have such a rigorous travel schedule, uh, where, right. you know, you're just eating takeout in the arena, getting on the plane, going to the next city, sometimes three or four in the morning getting in and, and what have you. Um, and obviously we know now like, the uh, impact of like stress and sleep uh, on your diabetes. Uh, it, so it's interesting. Like, uh, And obviously, you know, there, every, uh, every professional basketball player that's played overseas knows about European training camps and like practices and how different they are, like two a days in the middle of the season. Um, but still, you found that your blood sugars were more in control in that environment.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did I did I, I'm uh, I'm sure it's because of the food and uh, and the, the, the I think the way the those teams handle I think the, seri- the seriousness of diabetes I think they uh I think even though there were you know it was a language barrier I think they the fact that they have an American you know over in their country I think they took you know a lot you know more care and 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 I think just made it a more serious effort to, you know, make sure everything was was okay with me at all times.
0: So a couple of years go by. You're playing overseas. You're playing in the in the D League. You're playing in the summer league in the NBA. And then um, you get called up to the Nuggets training camp in 2010. I guess I also spent some time with the Rockets. I got your Wikipedia pulled up. I'm I'm not just pulling these out, <laughs> out of my head. So uh, you you're you go to Denver and you make the final roster. So you're about to suit up for your first NBA game. Um walk me through what that was like for you, obviously, like the journey that you'd been on to get back to that point. Um how did that feel?
1: I mean it was it was so surreal. Like I think it was like it was a it was in a blink of an eye. Like there was no way I was supposed to make that team because at the time I think Denver uh Kenya Martin was hurt. He was just recovering from a surgery. Uh Birdman was hurt. So they were looking for bigs and that was, you know, they only had maybe, I think two spots or it was one spot that they had. And I think they were leaving the other spot open just to, just to be free for, for salary cap or or something. And I think I just played so well that George, you know, just couldn't, I mean, just couldn't let me, uh, let me go. I think I, I meshed well with the team and it was so surreal to me that, you know, I finally, you know, made my dream, and uh, I think I, I still have the this piece of paper today from the hotel that I wrote down. It was during training camp. I think it was during the first week of training camp, and I wrote down that I will make. You know, this Denver Nuggets roster, and I dated it, signed it, and I folded it, and I took that to practice every single day with me, and I still have it, and I still I have it uh, in this uh, in this little plaque um, on my Denver Nuggets jersey, and uh, but I have a
0: frame. Oh man, that's cool. That's special. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, It's almost like a spell, kind of. Yeah, it's like, you know, kind of like manifesting, speaking into existence, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. I'm big on that.
0: Uh, Yeah, you seem to be that way. You're a guy, like, it it seems like you don't let circumstances uh, affect your attitude or mindset, or or where does that come from?
1: I I mean, I feel like I just have this mindset that, like, every every action or every reaction there's an equal and opposite you know action and reaction to that so if there's a bad thing there has to be in an, an equal good thing that's that's because of that like it's it's, it's almost like it's science it's 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 the universe it's, it's how it's all supposed to be if it's what goes up must come down kind of thing absolutely so uh, i mean and i've had my you know i've had my. my my fair share of negative, negative experiences with diabetes and like, you know, very scary, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I have a mindset that it's for a reason. It's, you know, it's helping me grow or it's, it's challenging me to do better or something like that.
0: And I, I think the same thing, like uh, to me, especially when I talk to young people with diabetes, I I'm so blown away by how, diabetes makes you better at failure, makes you handle failure better because you have a bad blood sugar or you have a tough, a tough event or something that happens and you have to step out and take care of it. You can't just stop, you know, or feel bad about it. Your life keeps going. And I think you learn to respond to that. Um, and it sounds like you, you know, like you said, you had your fair share of low moments. Do you, uh, do you remember any that stick out in particular from, you know, particularly in the NBA side or when traveling overseas where, you know, you just had a moment where diabetes was just kind of the front and center of, of the challenges that you were facing?
1: Oh man, where do I start? I think, I think I have like nine lives, man, with, <laughs> with diabetes. Um, the lat, the one in the NBA that was the major one. I mean, I've had, had little instances where, you know, my blood sugar is low and you now I fall asleep and I wake up like, Ten or twelve hours later, and you know I'm kind of like just wake up in a daze, like, whoa, what just happened? But the major one, well, one of the major ones that happened in the NBA was when I was with the Brooklyn Nets at this time, and I just I was I was killing the entire preseason training camp, and we were I forgot I think we were in North Carolina at the time. We were practicing at Duke, and I was going to the farming to to get test strips uh like after i woke up from the nap and i think i took maybe a little bit too much too much uh too much insulin um according to you know to what i ate i think i didn't eat enough or maybe i left the plate on the table in my room and you know i just you know passed out and you know i had seizures that night and i had to go to the hospital you know my teammates You know, luckily, one of my teammates, Alan Anderson, he was able to, you know, get in the room and had to call, you know, the paramedics and had to call the hospital. And that was, like, you know, real devastating for me because I was, like, right there, you know, getting back into the NBA after going to China and, you know, after being, you know, released from the Houston Rockets with the James Harden train. So, like, this was my, like, my way in. I was right there.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, I think... I'm not sure exactly what time that was, but uh, you know, obviously the your career didn't continue with the Nets. Do you think that that played a part of it?
1: I think I think it did because um, you know I played well the entire preseason. Every game that I played, I played well. You know, I was meshing with the team. I was kind of like a veteran guy. You know, a lot of the guys knew me, and I feel like that you know stuck out you know with the team. You know, which which I understood. Um, you know, you can't you know put in an investment. On that, when you know that that scary of a thing happened, so um, you know I was released that night, and like, and the night that they released me, I think I played like my best game. I think I had like four threes that game, and you know the the GM at the time was just shaking his head when he had to, you know, had to tell me he had to release me. Like, man, this is hard for me too.
0: Yeah, I think that's always tough, right? Because then you know you look back at all these things, and do you ever find yourself? You know, you seem like a guy that moves forward pretty, you know, uh, and that's sort of your mentality. But do you ever find times where you uh, obviously you can't live with regret and you can't look back? But like, has has diabetes held you back from, you know, the career that you wanted? I don't know. Let me, that's a tough question. And I, you know, I just I, that's my job to ask.
1: Yeah, I think I think it has. I think my scariest uh, scenario is when I was with when I was with in Argentina. This was after I had the multiple knee surgeries, which took me so long to come back from. It took me about two, almost two and a half years to really fully feel like myself. And I was in Argentina at the time, and I was playing really good. And I had another low blood sugar episode. This is when I just had tried to become vegan, vegetarian, and again, uh, being overseas, the food is so different. So taking as much insulin is not required overseas. You know, you just have to really, you know, just have to really be on top of checking it and 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 what you're eating, and that that being that extreme to 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 switch I, I almost didn't gradually do it I did it from I'm, I'm kind of an extremist I did it from one one day to another like you know I felt that I could do it and I was doing really well like I was playing well was eating well I felt good I was waking up super early like my energy was great but it was just that one day that you know that affected me and I think the, the doctor said I was in a diabetic coma for 13 hours hmm. um you know my mother had to fly from Atlanta to Argentina and I think I was in, you know, I was in the hospital for about 10 days and I had like partial, partial like memory loss, you know, and everything like came back, you know, over, over like, you know, the past, you know, the next couple of days. But that was the scariest almost, I almost thought like, yo, man, you know, basketball is over, you know, that there's nothing. I, I mean, I didn't, I kind of almost didn't know an alternative because, you know, playing basketball was you know was what i do was you know how i live what made me happy what you know what did everything for me
0: yeah and then to have something you know threaten to take that away obviously like that just has there's a lot of just questions right
1: right 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 i mean just battling back i mean having the the multiple knee surgeries that that's almost the one regret that i wish that i never did because as you Um, I'm not sure, you know, you know, with diabetes, once you cut open, you know, diabetics, it just takes so long for, you know, the healing process, your body just takes longer to heal. And for me to have a major knee surgery, it's uh, the oat surgery where they, um, I had almost bone on bone. So they had to graft cartilage um, from a donor and implant it. The first, the first year that I had the surgery, the surgery takes nine to 10 months of recovery. The first year that I had the surgery, the, you know, the, the cartilage didn't, didn't take with mine, you know, it didn't, didn't match. So they had to go back and do it again. And after the second surgery, that one was good. But after the second surgery, I had a staph infection. Hmm. So after staph infection, you know, I had to go back and get surgery and I lost so much weight, like my legs. And imagine having, you know, the major knee surgery with the staph infection, having diabetes, and what that does to the body, you know, cutting open the body and and all this all this kind of new stuff for the body. So it was, it was a major, major struggle to to get back. And it was it played a, a major, you know, a major effect on me mentally. Absolutely. I, was a, I, was in, I think I was in a low place. That's why I think I was uh, shying away from doing uh, this podcast. I think you wanted me to do it at the time. And I just I never felt ready to do it because I never felt like you know I had nothing to talk about you know I'm just going through all these low moments you know I want to feel good to inspire others or to let people know that yo know, like you know these moments happen but you know you can bounce back from it.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I I feel like I remember you know you were doing rehab or something. I think that's when we got connected and right. uh, yeah I understand that and I think I think too what's interesting you know in those low moments you know, the, that it takes that kind of struggle, I think, to, you know, to inspire, you know, to know that, you know, you were a guy that we could have just had the conversation about the NBA, right? And that's good enough. Right, but, right.
1: And I would, that would have been it.
0: But then, you know, how, being able to go through and like, that's a real conversation. I, and, you know, for, for me, I had, I had surgery on both my ankles and I exactly what you said, I wish I wouldn't have. Uh, I sure I don't have as much pain, but it took like two years away from, you know, really being able to move the way I wanted to move. Uh, and that was nowhere near as as severe of a surgery as what you're talking about. So, um, and I had a,
1: and I had a great year. There, yeah, I think I let, almost led the China League in scoring. I had I averaged 28 that year. But there was always a, um, a a clause in my contract that said if anything happens to your knee, you know, your contract is null and void. So I wanted to clear that, you know. So like, you know, here my knee is healthy, and with doing that, you know, kind of just. Uh, I think it just went the wrong road to to what I thought, um, you know, having those low moments actually um, put me in like a real tough place that I had to find something or find a way to to feel better. Not not just about having diabetes, just about where my life was at. And um, I'm actually finished writing a children's book. Um, that that I'm trying to get uh you know, just get published and you know have some marketing people working on it. But you know I wrote that children's book with the intent of you know kind of reflecting on things that things that happened to me and being able to do the do the highest possible things with with an illness like diabetes.
0: Man, I love it. Yeah, and I mean, without the struggle, I mean, it just it makes everything else. Not as sweet, right? So now you you just signed a deal uh, with the Saigon Heat to go over to Vietnam and play another season. Um, You know, looking at where you are today, obviously, um, you know, fully recovered and, and moving on to the next step. Uh, As a veteran guy, you know, and and you're, you know, in your 30s playing basketball, how do you feel? Are you excited? Um, You know, what do you what are you looking forward to the most uh, by going back and and, uh, starting another season?
1: What's crazy is I almost (laughs) quit basketball this summer. Um, I was going to like try to do the big three. Obviously, um with that with that scary uh diabetic episode teams were reluctant to you know to resign me i had to do a whole bunch of rehab to you know just get everything you know feeling a hundred percent not only just my knee but you know from the you know from the diabetic comb and and fighting back from that and once i finally you know felt so good you know i went to the big three you know tryouts and there was no way I should not have made one of those those rosters. I can almost put my life on it. Um, but, you know, almost, I almost you know thought about, you know, giving up basketball. But then, you know, me and my girlfriend were talking and I just never wanted to, to have that what if conversation or, you know, have that what if feeling like, what if I didn't take this, you know, deal in, in Vietnam and, you know, with this book that I'm writing coming out, I think it only makes it makes it uh more i guess uh more real or more you know the the feeling a lot more realistic to have someone that's still fighting with all these illnesses with all these downfalls and you know just to have the the attitude that i have that that i have about it
0: and I, i i know that there are a lot of you know people that listen to this podcast that maybe don't realize how difficult playing a professional sports career is for 11 years. But, you know, just like there's, there's whatever, how many hundred players, 500 players every year coming out of top programs from the United States to Europe. And there's only a certain number of spots on, on top level professional teams. Um, so to be in contention for one of those uh, at your, what, 34 now? Um, yes. Obviously, like you're that just takes like such a level of commitment and dedication and sacrifice. Um, and, you know, like you said, you, you'll you have those moments where you're like, you know, is it time to hang them up? Um, so when this came and when you decided to do this, and it's been, re- I, I think, relatively recently, um, you know, and you're leaving in, in just a little over a week, um, you know, what do you, what message do you want to send for, you know, people with diabetes who are, uh, you know, feeling that same kind of question, like, should I continue to chase this dream or should I, uh, should I, you know, pivot and, and do something else and maybe, uh, you know, do something a little more safe. Uh, what's, what would you say to those people?
1: I'm I mean, I always, I always, I'm always big on like what feels right or what, what makes your, you know, what makes your emotions, what makes your emotions feel good. And with me choosing this, I mean, I could have, you know, done other things, I feel I'm talented enough, you know, I have this uh, book that I'm I'm writing and um, I'm also doing a training I have this uh, training uh, website, it's called uh, You Decide Development Um, but I knew that I had to do this, not only not only for for myself but just to to prove to, I guess, to, to be an inspiration like all right, look at this guy, you know, he played in the NBA, he reached his goal, you know, but he had these, had these downfalls and there was something, there was something in him that, that, that made him do it. There was also, you know, these things with diabetes, I feel like doing that with diabetes almost gives me, puts a battery in my back to do it with diabetes.
0: Yeah, man, totally, a hundred percent, just retweet every day, right? <laughs> that exact thing. <laughs> Um, you're right, you're right. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna ask you a couple of quick questions because um, I know it's late, and uh, you know I really appreciate you giving the time, and this has been an awesome chat and conversation. Um, what do you use to uh, to treat your diabetes these days? Do you have you ever ever worn a CGM?
1: No, no, no. I use Lantus and Humalog. I always, I never, I never wanted to, to to use those things. I don't know. I was just It, it almost just felt comfortable for me to just use those
0: yeah no i get it yeah. i was a big uh if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of person right uh, with my diabetes right. and i always had good numbers and control i mean, I mean how
1: how how is the how is the CGM? all
0: right so i'll be honest with you i love it and somebody came on my podcast i think she was episode like 47 and we did the interview and i had spoken on the podcast about how i wasn't on it and i didn't really want something another thing attached to my body because i wear a pump um but, man, it was a game changer for me, and I always wondered. So a problem that I had playing ball was in college, like, uh, my coach was just a big-time asshole, and he would uh, – so I had a ton of stress, and uh, and I was putting all this pressure on myself to perform and, like, get super hyped before games. So my blood sugar would go from, like, without any food or anything from, like, 80 to, like, 400. Um, right. Right. So I had to change the way that I approached the game, but I always wondered what my blood sugar did during the game. I had an idea, but getting to see it on a chart uh, with a CGM was a game changer for me. I, I like now I'll never go back. It's unbelievable.
1: Right, right. So you wear a CGM and a
0: pump. So yeah, I do. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not playing. I actually wear a pump when I play now because I'm not you know, these Dallas men's, men's leagues are not exactly super demanding. So, uh, I have it, like I wear these tights that have a pocket in them from this company called Wollico, who is actually out of New York, um, who have been super supportive of everything that I do and are just great people. And, uh, so I put the pump in one of the pockets and it like Velcro's so I can play with it on. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to try to be the because I don't know anybody else that they can do it. I'm going to try to be the first person with an insulin pump on to dunk between the legs. That's my 2020 goal. So, uh, plus <laughs> if I don't do it now, I'll know. never do it.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Does I always, I always wondered to it. Like, does it, did, did you ever like feel restricted or does it, you know, does it bother you? Wearing it? Did you ever have those, those?
0: Um, so I, I used to be on pens, Penn's uh, log, Atlantis my first two years of college, and then my doctor uh, at the time uh, recommended that I switch to a pump. So that was kind of, you know, you were talking about honeymooning. I had a very – I had to change a lot of things when I switched over to the pump, um, and I didn't really like wearing it at first. I, like – my doctor was, like, a 75-year-old woman, and I was like, ma'am, this isn't sexy. I can't wear this. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just wear it. <laughs> and she was right. So – uh, but anyway, I once I got the CGM, um, and I you know st- I started becoming more comfortable wearing the pump while I played. Um, but man, the CGM is so it's super non-intrusive, and there's a bunch of different kinds. So uh, maybe we'll have a conversation about that after the fact, um, and I'll you know maybe if if that's something you're interested in, because it just man it helped me a ton. Like my numbers have never been better, just being able to see it on the chart. So um, yeah, definitely something that I recommend.
1: Right, right, right. I think I think I think I'm gonna look into it. But like like you said, I've just always been comfortable with Lance's, um, Although you know, I've had, you know, like you said, highs and you know, sometimes lows. But that, <laughs> I think that what people don't understand is like, you know, my well, my girlfriend. Sometimes she's she's getting better, and she doesn't understand that sometimes your emotions or you know, you know, having diabetes, you know, you're in certain mood swings or you know, certain things like that.
0: Yeah, my, my fiancé calls it low blood, low blood sugar brain. I'll just be like <laughs> kind of like wandering around. <laughs> um, and, and I'm like, you know, what am I like? It's that feeling like you walk into a room and you're like, what did I come in here for? And that's just like the, the ultimate low blood sugar brain experience. So, yeah, I mean, it it affects relationships, uh, even just like, you know, responses or moods. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's it never goes away either. That's the other thing. Uh, you know you're just always yeah, dealing with that's what
1: that's 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 i think that's the main thing that people should i mean that's that's what people in general just you know just having good vibration and good you know conversations for feelings but more so with diabetics like you know any little thing can trigger something and then you know your blood sugars off and then your mood is off and then next thing you know your day's off
0: yep and and i think Uh, there was a recent study that came out that said people with diabetes make 180 extra decisions a day um, related to their diabetes compared to someone who doesn't. Um, And I think that's even the same. Like people ask me questions um, a lot about exercise because they'll kind of, like you said, they'll change their diet. Um, They'll feel like they have it down and then something will happen or they'll go to the gym and they'll feel good about, you know, getting to the gym and then their blood sugar goes low and they have to treat, or they have to scratch their workout, or whatever, and they just feel down about it. Um,
1: I feel that, that's one thing. Like, that's a, that's another question I was going to ask you. Like, did have you ever had like training? Like, the only I've had like sometimes minor lows, like right before basketball workouts. But as far as like exercising or lifting kind of things like that, I've never really had. You know, I feel like the workouts almost kind of you know raise my blood sugar sometimes. Sometimes my blood sugar levels are higher than what they were before the, you know, the workout.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that was something like the way it depends on the workout. So in the first 15 minutes of a basketball game or like even playing pickup, sometimes, like, cause you just pick up the intensity, my blood sugar goes up a little bit and then it'll level out. Uh, If I'm doing like a high intensity, like a hit workout or sprints, like the best way to push my blood sugar from like a hundred to 200 is like to do two suicides. If I do that, it just spikes way up Uh, because that's, you know, stress, adrenaline and cortisol uh, that all affect those things. And what's interesting is, you know, when you're a top tier athlete and you're trying to perform at your peak level, you are intense. Like you're very focused and like you're giving extra effort. And those things can make your blood sugar go up. Um, And that that was my big problem in college. I just couldn't keep my blood sugar from going crazy. And you know, then I go way up. And if I gave too much insulin, I crashed down and then I felt even worse. So, you know, there were times I remember one time my college coach, I like took, pulled myself out of a drill and he was real old school, like, you know, making everybody run way too much and stuff. But, uh, he was just like, is that all we're going to get out of you, Rob? And I like, you know, was like <laughs> sipping on a Gatorade. I was like, come on, man. <clears throat> but you know, in those moments, I think you can feel very isolated or like, you know, I felt bad because my teammates, i feel like they always knew if it, if a workout was too hard <clears throat> excuse me that i was probably going to have some kind of problem pull myself out self out for two or three minutes and then come back in and you know it just felt bad it felt weird and i, I really resented my diabetes for a lot of that
1: yeah i just the same way with me too like you know team my teammates were actually weren't that uh i mean my my teammates were from new york uh, you know if you don't know anything about new yorkers You know, you kind of joke on everything. And, you know, my teammates were always, you know, joking on me, thinking I was, you know, taking breaks or, you know, I wasn't in shape. But mind you, I'm, you know, the leading scorer on the team. So, like, it it was almost like a, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, a seesaw battle with with my teammates. Like, you know, yo, like, you know, I'm I'm not missing any practices, but, you know, I have to take these breaks. But they didn't know why I was taking these breaks. So it was always a battle with my teammates and things like that.
0: Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's constant education. And for me, I think one thing that was different. So uh, I told you that I was very upfront about my diabetes when I was on the college recruiting trail, but uh, on the professional side, my agent had told me like, Hey man, look, there's plenty of reasons for teams to not want to sign you. Don't make diabetes one of them. So he's like, you know, if we're going to these tryouts and you know how these open tryouts are, there's like one spot, there's like 300 guys and he's like, so if you know, don't test your blood sugar in front of the scouts, like don't tell the teams you have diabetes, you'll deal with it after you get there, it'll be fine. Um, and so it was, it was different because like, like you said at that level, it's just like, uh, any reason that, you know, they don't feel you're going to be, you know, right for the team. There's another 50 guys that they can sign. that can take that spot. Um, so yeah, it was it was exactly. different. I, so I ended up not telling the team. I ended up playing against the Harlem Globetrotters for a season and didn't tell them. And you know, it ended up being okay. But uh, it, it was it's a different mindset. And I think in those situations, I wish that I had just been owned what was going on and been more of an, an advocate. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I mean, I almost almost feel the same way, but I think with the things that I plan to do, especially, I think I definitely want to um link with you on on this uh book venture that i'm doing I, I really really like see this being a game changer um for a lot of you know children with with this illness and with uh many different illnesses
0: yeah man i think guys like you telling your story i mean uh, professional athlete like alpha male dudes who are out there you know living living their dream and competing and and you know picking themselves up um you know, in the face of adversity is a story that needs to be told over and over. So, uh, Hey man, you're, for, you're an inspiration for people with diabetes for me and for kids and parents who listen to this podcast, I'm, I'm excited. They're going to hear your story. What's, what's the one thing that you would tell, you know, a kid or tell your, tell your 19 year old self when you get diagnosed, you know, what would you tell that? What would you tell yourself or what would you tell that kid about their life with diabetes and what's possible?
1: What I, what I would say, what I would learn, what I've learned from having diabetes is like, you know, I know we're, we're supposed to take care of ourselves, you know, because we have this illness, but we're supposed to take care of ourselves, you know, just because, like, um, you know, we're supposed to have good attitudes, we're supposed to have good vibrations, we're supposed to have good moods, um, we're supposed to eat the right things, we're supposed to exercise, and all these things are things that diabetics are. You know, these are these topless things that we have to do to, to live a normal life. But you know, living I feel like that's, those are the key things to living a normal life, regardless. So I've never, I still, I still don't, you know, treat diabetes as a crutch. You know, I, uh, you know, I test my sugars in front of people. Um, I inject myself in front of people. So you know, I would rather people ask questions so that that I can educate them and so that they can you know have this ignorant uh you know thoughts of you know someone with diabetes or you know not be educated on you know when something happened
0: 100% totally agree man uh in any of your you know travels or like tournaments or you know just around the hoop scene the professional scene have you ever encountered any other people with with diabetes while you're playing any teammates or no opponents?
1: man i've never i've never ran into another diabetic basketball player i feel like the one the one thing that i i did have against the nba uh during my time that they had uh dwight howard as the you know diabetes uh i think sponsor or i mean uh face of diabetes and you know i know you know you, you i'm sure know it as well like you know diabetics don't Don't necessarily aren't in shape, and you know I always get this. People always are so surprised when I tell them that I'm diabetic. You know I'm very in shape. I'm very muscular. You know I'm always got great energy, and you know it almost I almost you know you know felt bad about it, but I understood that it was a business you know standpoint to try to get kids to exercise and things like that.
0: Yeah, and I think you know some some things that I'm working through with some others in the community is, you know, people with type one diabetes often you know because type 2 diabetes is so much more popular uh not popular common uh and there's so many more people with it and there's so many more organizations that are focused on stopping it uh i think we sometimes as type 1s take offense to it because you know a lot of us are in shape and uh you know all of the common diabetes uh sort of stereotypes we don't really meet uh And then that, that causes us sometimes to, uh, to react negatively to people with type two. And I think that doesn't help either because, you know, there's a lot of type twos who don't meet those stereotypes either. And that's what what we talked about way back at the beginning of this pod, like diabetes is different for everybody. And, you know, the more we learn about type one and type two, there's, you know, type 1.5 late onset adult diabetes, um, and you know, just various types under type two, it's, it's wild. Um, and so I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I hope that there'll be people like you and, and, and me and others who are out there just educating people on the differences and, you know, sort of each one, teach one type of, uh, type of campaign.
1: Definitely keep doing what you're doing, man. And, you know. I'm not gonna have nothing but time in Vietnam, so I'm definitely gonna be listening to all your all your podcasts.
0: No, man, I appreciate it, man, and uh, definitely one that I'll recommend to you. Austin Freeman from uh, from Georgetown came on uh, last year, I suppose. That's, that's, a,
1: that's my guy. That's my guy. We were in the D League together with the I think it was the Long Island Nets.
0: I think he said at one point that, yeah, you guys were, like, in a training camp together or something like that. And Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah a super quiet cool. Quiet dude, quiet dude, quiet yeah? dude. Okay, yeah. He, I had to get him warmed up on the podcast, but he ended up talking, so it must have been a good day for him. <laughs> uh, right, right, But, uh, yeah, man, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, definitely let's talk about your book, uh, and when it's time to, uh, to publish it and everything, we'll get you back on and we'll talk about it.
1: For sure for sure uh, Thanks for, for people
0: me. for people who want to keep up with you uh, how do they how do they find you I know you're Gary Forbes on Instagram pretty easy
1: Gary Forbes on Instagram um, also like I said I have a training uh site that I'm starting uh you decide development it's all about a mindset uh, like I said the same same mindset that I had when I wrote that down on the piece of paper It's the same mindset that you know I do with with everything I think Twitter it's g4 g e4 bZ I think. And Facebook, Gary Forbes, as well.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll include all those links uh, in the show notes for people to follow. So uh, looking forward to following your season in Vietnam, man, and safe travels. If you are still listening at the end of this podcast, I just want to say thank you. Four years ago, it was the end of 2015, and I was recording the first five episodes of this podcast. And now, four years later, 22 Type 1 Nation Summits for JDRF lots of advocacy work lots of instagram posts lots of podcast guests lots of travel even got to go overseas at one point this has been an amazing journey this year we did some really cool stuff started going to diabetes camps for kids to speak spoke at a ton of jdrf type one nation summits Traveled all over, released my first email series. I was like 15,000 words that you can subscribe to at slash emails and continue to publish podcasts along the way. This podcast is going to stay. It has been my primary platform throughout the last four years and I want that to continue. So thank you so much for your support and for the support of our sponsors. So this is Rob Howe. I am signing off, not for the rest of the year. We have a few more episodes, but I just wanted to end this episode the first episode with an NBA player on it with some gratitude to you uh, and the rest of the diabetes community. So keep doing things, keep being awesome people with diabetes, and I cannot wait to share the next things that we're going to do together in 2020.